Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, David Bentham, VP of Global Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Redefining Outbound. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Laura Erdem, um, sales leader for Americas at Dream Data. Um, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to, to the listeners? Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me, David. Yes, my name is Laura Erdem, and I'm running our Americas team in Dream Data, the sales team. We are so far four people in the team selling to the America's market from Denmark. Very cool. Very cool. Um, And Laura, the way that we always start, the first question we always, always go with on the show is um, what does redefining outbound mean to you? Um, It's obviously the title of the show. So yeah, we'd love to know um, kind of your views on on, um, the changing world of outbound. Yeah. So to start with, if I was thinking about a defined outbound, so I'm thinking about cold calling, cold emailing, and all that kind of stuff that you can set into sequences that can run by themselves by some kind of automation, where you do some filtering and then try to catch people's attention to click some links and then show you more intent than the book a meeting with you. So with a lot of things happening in the market right now, it's kind of dead. <laughs> and uh, in a way that you cannot spam people anymore. Google doesn't let you do that. Yahoo doesn't let you do that. You will ruin your stuff and so on. And by saying redefining outbound in dream data, we have never defined it properly just yet. And the reason for that was because One of the things we're very, very careful about the domain, about the brand of the company, if you spam people, what's going to happen and so on. And the other reason of that is that we have a co-founder CMO and he's amazing at marketing. Another thing we're going to talk about today is demand gen and he's a master of it. How does demand gen map with outbound is what redefining outbound means for me. So how do you hyper-focus and find the right people at the right time where your solution is a fit? So you don't feel like a spammer. It's more helping people or at least educating them or interesting and educating and entertaining them of your subject before you do any outbound. Cool. Love that. Um, Let's talk about challenges. It's been a challenging year so far. Like what, what challenges are you facing at Dream Data um, today? Customer journeys are getting longer and longer. This is a challenge for everybody right now. So like besides that you cannot spam people anymore, we don't care about that that much. And it's more about customer journeys are getting so much longer. The other day we're sitting down with our CMO at one of the sales meetings and he's saying, hmm, so did we redefine what we mean by a closing pipeline stage? Because it seems to be that we have so many more deals and they stay there for a long time. No, (laughs) we haven't redefined anything. It just takes longer time. This is the biggest challenge right now, but that's what the whole market market is facing because 
the decisions are taking for a longer time, many more people are involved in decision making. And even for a 20K purchase, you might need to involve a CFO and CEO and people like that. We never spoke with those people before. So it takes some education as well. Awesome. And so what kind of like, what are you doing as an organization right now then to, to, is it, is it the case of enabling? Um, is it more enablement for the team? Is it, um, are you, are you, are you going to go and redefine your opportunity stages? Like what, like how are you um, handling that challenge? So the opportunity stages are staying the same, but it's more what do we do before the deals are moving into those stages and how do we loop our champions in into what they will be facing while while purchasing the product. Before in time, it just used to be, yeah, yeah, I'm a decision maker and I have the budget and I'm going to scare, like take a part of my paid ads budget and I'm just going to buy the solution right doesn't happen anymore so you probably are too optimistic let's plan a proper use case for you and enable you to sell this internally because you'll need to do that and uh, by that it's much more internal education in our team how do we deal with this all the best practices what did we do what have what worked to do some stuff faster and educating the buyers the champions especially cool um your tagline on LinkedIn, I noticed that it's um, that you're a sales leader with a crush on marketing. Um, it's a, one of the most popular questions out there, but um, really interested to get your take specifically on what good sales and marketing alignment looks like. Um, you know, what is like how how can they work together to to just perfect um, a, a GTM strategy? Yeah. My take on it is that you don't have to be best friends or buddies who wants to go to a pub together every time. For that alignment to happen, you don't need that. What you need is a clear alignment on what is it that we're setting up as a goal together between sales and marketing. And most of the times that is revenue that we're all going after. But what are the middle goals that we also need to look after when those are falling or raising, what do we need to do? Do we need to hire some more people in content or some more people in the sales team, depending on the metrics that we're looking into? So we do have joint meetings together between sales and marketing where we do look at those metrics. At the same time, sales teams are always feeding back the information to marketing what's working what's not what kind of education are we missing out for our buyers so they're able to use that information to either take it further into the buying process or to come more educated when they come into our pipeline stages so we're able to yeah be more efficient to to close those deals very, very cool. Um, and it, you talk a lot about demand gen tactics. Um, and it's something that it seems like your marketing team are massively emphasizing. How do you think, um, like what influence does demand gen have on um, your sales function? Massive. So if demand gen is working well, which means that you are educating your buyers even before they're ready to buy, then that drips out into sales so much easier. And here we can go into the split part of what marketing brings inbound to sales, which is a little bit of everything, 
not always the fruits that you want to pick. But if you combine that with outbound and figuring out which of the accounts are the perfect ICPs for you to work with and the timing of why those triggers right now are important for them to go for your solution, and Demandian has already warmed them up. This is the perfect combination of sales and marketing working together because that makes the sales team so much more efficient. And the marketing team is aware what types of leads that we're bringing in, that we're capturing out of all that demand creation is actually closing well or is stuck in some specific stages so we can work on the education from the content side as well. Awesome. And so can we talk about um, strategies more broadly? Um, What are some of your core focuses on the outbound side right now? Yeah, so I kind of touched a little bit on that part. That is very much on focusing on what type of accounts and personas are we outbounding to. I spoke with Alina, the CEO of Chili Piper, the other day, and she actually outlined that piece that once demand gen is working well, your outbound strategies, not just strategies, but in general, outbound is becoming the most efficient team to drive revenue. And the same I hear from Cognizant that like all that demand gen that we have created, all the demand that sales is picking up on, and especially if they're laser focused on where are they doing outbound, is working the best, the fastest to close the deals. And and at the same time, sales are able to focus on the accounts that are actually going to close. Cool. Um, and you like in-person events seems to be, um, something that you're really passionate about, um, which is kind of contrary. I mean, like, um, I could tell you our CMO hates in-person events. She thinks they're awful. Um, so, um, yeah, what, what, um, what's your take on, on that? Our CMO has exactly the same idea. So when we started to talk about the in-person events, it's like, um, does sales need entertainment or what? We're not going to events. This is like, what's the ROI? Well, why are we going to do this? I said, okay, Stefan, chill pill. Let's try this out. Send me out to an event and then let's see how this works. So we're in love of if it's cheap and brings a good ROI. We're all into this. And that's how we started this off. So we started testing this out, just sending a couple of people to events. We never did a booth just yet. And that requires much more preparation for it to be a successful ROI. But all the social noise that you can create before going to an event, during an event, how are you capturing the people's attention, not just the ones who are at that specific event, but also the ones that are curious to watch what is happening. And since we sell to marketers, they're all interested in what is happening at that event. I'm missing something out. We don't have a booth. We don't have our people out there, especially if there are SaaS companies. <laughs> like, come on. They're excited to see that. And if you're focused of who do you need to meet at the event, create the demand and interest of people following you, what is going on, this is the sweet spot. And when we come back, that's another thing to show all of the CMOs that are critical around this. Sales collects 
all of the list of people they have met. We join the information together with the spend that we have had on the event. So during the customer journey, whichever touches we have, we're able to measure what was the ROI of the event. Should we ever go to Saster again? Or should we do something totally different? Just use that money on paid ads. And so on. then it's so much easier to, to compare the two. So I think preparation, execution, and what you do after the event is key for it to be a success for whichever company. I, I think like one thing on it, Dream Data is obviously uh, in um, kind of still the SMB stage. Hopefully that's fair to say. Um, um, do you think that these kind of events have more of an impact to the SMB stage than, say, for example, the mid-market enterprise stage? Or do you think do you think it's relevant throughout? I think it really depends on what type of buyers you've got and the sizes of your deals. Because in-person events can be different things. It does not have to be a booth at an event. It can be a dinner. It can be something else that you're organizing that attracts your buyers to have that personal touch during that specific event. And if you do need to prepare a booth and get your people ready and so on, that's expensive. And I probably would hate that, that as well due to the very low ROI or expected ROI, because if you spend a million dollars on a booth, well, that's a lot of pipeline to create <laughs> during the event or to showcase that we have actually closed any of the deals that were touched by the event. And that's not even just one touch because you probably also paid some Google ads or some organic touches around the customer journey to close it. So it's not just one-to-one. -one. I met the client, I closed the deal. That's due to the event. So I think... For the smaller companies like we are to try to do as good as you can at the events that are out there without having a booth is an easy way to do it. For larger companies like yourselves, it requires both coordination, but also focus of the salespeople that this is not an entertainment I'm going to. Why am I there? I'm there to generate business or at least the demand out of this social noise that we're doing on LinkedIn or whichever social platform as well. Cool. Nice. Um, forecasting. Um, I saw one of your posts all around forecasting and I'd just love to get to know your approach right now. Are there any particular metrics that you're tracking? Um, um, like what generally does your checklist look like? Yeah. So forecasting starts with marketing. One of the first things that we speak about in our weekly sales and marketing alignment meetings is how many MQLs that we get. How does it look like in between the ICPs, non-ICPs, demos or free accounts and so on. So all of that stuff. And then we look into how do they convert further into the sales pipeline. This is key. The next thing that we're looking into, what is the conversion besides the ones that are just coming in inbound? What is the conversion as soon as the accounts are in the sales pipeline. How are we making sure that we're covering all the metric methodology pieces to drive the deals through the pipeline as fast as possible? And um, it's not very easy nowadays, <laughs> but, but as long as we keep the process going, as long as we make sure to get all the ticks in the boxes and prepare for each and every meeting, we're good. Very, very nice. Um, and then last but not least, the final question uh, for today and our show um, that we always, always finish off with is what would you recommend sales leaders to start, stop and continue doing in 2024? Yes. Um, stop spamming. 
I mean, even though people are talking about, oh, this dead is that is dead and so on, nothing is dead. Outbound is not dead. Co calling is not dead. Nothing is dead. But just stop spamming. If you think that quantity matters, um, quality does. And also the quality of your lists, the way you push those through to your sales teams and so on. So don't spam. And what you should start off is creating closer relationships with your buyers. That means that very likely you will have to be in front of a CFO or CEO. So make sure that they at least have a warm opinion of your brand when you're coming into the buying cycle with their buyers. So you will have to have a stand of how your brand is looking in front of those people as well. Create relationships. And to continue, what do we need to? We have to continue exploring AI. Yes, let's continue doing that because it's a huge help. It goes so much faster with so many things. So you don't have to just blast your emails, but make sure that you start creating quality and uh, with a lesser time than you needed to do that before. Love that. Love that. Um, that's a really good place to finish. Um, if anybody wants to find you, Laura, where, where shall they find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Unless you want to come to Copenhagen and bike with me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> so go find that. Oh, well, I always recommend Copenhagen, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, for any listeners that do want to take Laura up on the, the offer, um, there's your social proof. Um, Laura, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Um, and, um, yeah, and for all of our listeners, um, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.